We're going to turn together to read God's Word now in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. Mark, chapter 6, we're going to read from the beginning of the chapter down to verse 13. As we take up our reading here in chapter 6, it follows on from Jesus performing miracles in the last chapter where he healed the woman who had the issue of blood and he raised the child, Jairus' daughter, who had died. So there was these miracles in the background of what's just taken place. And then we take up our reading in chapter 6 and says, He went away from there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour, except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marvelled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages, teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people, that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. And so on. And may God bless that reading from his word. Before we turn back to that passage, we're going to sing again to God's praise in Psalm 43. The Sing Psalms version this time, Psalm, uh, page 54. Psalm 43 on page 54. I'm going to sing the whole of this psalm. Come, vindicate me, O my God. Against this nation plead my cause. Deliver me from wicked foes and hypocrites who break your laws. Verse 3 says, O send your light forth and your truth. Let them direct me in your grace and bring me to your holy hill and to your sacred dwelling place. We'll sing the whole of this psalm to God's praise. Thank you. 
can turn back together to our reading in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. We're going to look at this, these verses that we read together. But we can see verse 6, just take verse 6 just now, where Jesus, having seen what was going on around him and so many people who were asking questions and seeing the wonders of what was happening, he says this, He marveled because of that unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. As you read through the Gospel of Mark, you find it's a very fast-paced Gospel. Things move on very quickly in this Gospel. There's almost no delay in between one event happening and then moving on to the next. That's what we see as we come into chapter 6 here. There's been this miraculous uh, thing that's happened just before it when the woman with the issue of blood was healed and Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead and then you immediately you're into chapter 6 he went away from there and came to his hometown it's almost like no time spent talking about what's just happened it's on to the next thing things are moving along very quickly and when you think about this being written 2,000 years ago you look at the time that's passed since then and you think of every event that's maybe happened during that time we see just how quickly things move on. We think of our own lives and how quickly things move on. Where has the time gone? That's one of the phrases that we often use. It's something we often say. I think even just back a week and you lost an hour overnight, the time moved away so quickly. But just in general, how life passes us by so quickly. Even standing here today, I look around and see so many faces thinking back over many years and we look back and think how quickly the time has moved on. Where has the time gone? Time passes by so quickly. Sometimes that's seen as a positive thing. Time flies when you're having fun, they say. When we're enjoying ourselves and things are going well, time passes by so very quickly. But then we see it in a negative sense as well. Time goes by so quickly where have the years gone what have we done with them so quickly children grow up so quickly we, we start a holiday just now and so quickly we'll be looking back and saying how quickly that went past time just goes on it's so quick and sometimes that, sh that should concern us and especially when we think about why we're here today what we're doing here today here we are again hearing the word of God. We look back over all the years, how often we've heard the word of God and how quickly those years are passing by. And the question comes, what am I doing with my time? And so as we look here at the Gospel of Mark, we, we see here in this passage, a passage of time that's gone past so quickly when we think of when it was written, but when we think of what is being said here and the gospel that is being proclaimed here and what we're seeing in the context of Jesus' preaching here, we see how, yes, time is passing by, but something else more important is passing us by as well. And that is the gospel. The gospel's passing by. We see it here as, as Jesus is teaching in these villages, in these towns. The people are hearing it the gospel is passing by them here. They're, 
it's going through their ears and Jesus is then moving on to another place. He sends out the twelve and they they begin to teach with authority. The gospel is moving on, it's passing through towns and villages. The gospel is passing by. And this is again something that should concern us. Because how long will we have the gospel? How long will we hear the gospel as we think of how quickly time is passing by? And we're seeing it here in in different ways as Jesus is passing through these villages and towns. There's both positives and negatives to how the gospel is passing by. Today, the same good news is passing through our lands, through our towns, through our villages, through our village here. Once again, it's passing by so quickly. And so we have a decision to make. Do we just listen again and let it pass us by? Are we just going to ignore it again? Or are we going to listen to what is said? Are we going to let this gospel speak into our hearts and take hold in our hearts? What we see in Jesus' day, even as Jesus himself was preaching, that there was these two different reactions as the gospel was passing by. There were positives and negatives. And that's what I want us to look at this, uh, this afternoon together. The positives and negatives of the gospel passing by. And I want us to think, first of all, about the negatives. We want to end up on a positive at the end of this. We want to think, first of all, about the negatives of the gospel passing by. You could say to yourself, well, what can be negative? How can there be negatives to the gospel passing by? Surely that's always a good thing. But what's highlighted for us here is that there are negatives when the gospel is passing by. And the negatives we have to see here are two, well, there's two ones we want to focus on. But we want to see how as Jesus is passing through here, that there are a negative side to the gospel. And we see it in the people. And we see it in how they respond and how they react to the gospel passing by here. And we find it in just the the way they respond. And the first thing is, we see here in a negative sense, as the gospel is passing by, the people are asking the wrong questions. They're asking the wrong questions. He came into his hometown, it says in verse 1, his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished. So he was proclaiming to them the gospel. He was teaching them. And they were astonished. But look at the questions that they have. Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? They they marveled and were astonished in many ways, and yet they asked the question, how? How can these things be? Is that our first Response to hearing the gospel. As we hear about all that Jesus Christ has done for us, 
as we hear about the wonder of God and his creation, is our first response to ask how and to try and find a way to understand things ourselves. If you turn back just two chapters to the end of chapter 4, there Jesus, in verse 35 onwards, is with his disciples in a boat, and they're caught up in this storm. And in verse 39, Jesus is awoken by them, and they're asking him, do you not care that we are perishing? And he stood up and said, peace, be still. And the, and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And what did the disciples say? They said, who then is this? Who is this? Not how has he done this, but who is this? They may have, as he says himself in verse 40 there of that chapter, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? He's asking them a question. But they respond by saying, who then is this? But as Jesus is, is teaching here in chapter 6, their questions aren't who is this, but what and how. There's a much more negative response to the gospel here. Isn't this the carpenter's son, they say? Is not this the son of Mary and the brother of James? They're trying to look at it in their own natural way. Their response is all wrong. Not asking who, and maybe even more importantly, not asking why. Why is he here? Why is he teaching us? What is it that we need to understand? They're asking how. And is that your question today as well? Are you asking as you're hearing the gospel, are you asking how can this be true? How can these things happen? Because these kinds of questions, they have doubt in them. Faith isn't there. There is doubt. And that's the negative as the gospel passes us by today as well. That's so often the way we respond to it. We ask questions about Jesus in this way. And not who is he? That I must know him. And why has he come? Why is he doing these things for us? Instead we're asking how. And that's the kind of world that we live in. We need to know how everything works. In order to believe we need to see how everything can be possible. Instead of having faith to believe in the who and the why. Who he is. This is Jesus. The son of God. This is not just the carpenter's son. This is not just the son of Mary. This isn't just the brother of James and others. This is the son of God. This is God who has come to us. And so there's this negative reaction. How? Don't let that be your reaction today. Don't come trying to seek to understand everything and how it can be. But understand who this is and why he has come. He has come because we cannot understand it all ourselves. We cannot do it all ourselves. Instead we are to come by faith, trusting in the Son of God. 
So there's this negative response as they ask the wrong questions. The second negative we have here is the hardness of their hearts. And we see this in verse 6. The one we read together where it says, He marvelled because of their unbelief. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Just notice there what he's marvelling at. He doesn't marvel at their sinfulness. Because he already knows that. He knows that we are all sinners. He doesn't marvel at their behaviour in that way. What he marvels at is their unbelief, the hardness of their hearts. Somebody once said, the greatest obstacle to faith is not the failure of God to act. He has done his part. It is the unwillingness of mankind to respond and believe. God has done everything for us. And Jesus has come into their midst here, teaching them all of these things. And what he marvels at is their unbelief, the hardness of their hearts. And this hardening of their hearts, it deadens them to all of these things. You see it in verse 5, what has taken place. He could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. There was this unbelief. There was this lack of faith. And again, it's a, an attitude and a response, a negative response, that's so prevalent in our society today. At the mere mention of the gospel and the church, people put the shutters up. People back off. They don't want to hear these things. Maybe even without <coughs> fully realising what they are doing and who they are doing it against. Hardening their hearts against the Lord Jesus. Hardening their hearts against the one who is able to save. The one who has promised eternal life to all who believe. And yet we harden our hearts. We push them away. We have the same kind of negative response of unbelief. The wrong questions. And just turning away from him. Where Jesus becomes such an offence to people that everything to do with, with faith and Christianity is held in suspicion. Held with a, a hardness. We've seen it so much in these last few weeks and even months. We're seeing it more and more. Going back a few years, even before what's been happening more recently, somebody was looking at Britain as a whole and looking at the British flag which is made up of a number of different crosses and if you look at the colours in the British flag they all make up different crosses but the cross this person was saying has become such an offence in our nation that the day will come when we'll have to take them out of the flag and when we take them out of our, our national flag what's left a white flag of surrender. We're surrendering to sin. We're giving ourselves over to the world instead of looking to the cross and believing in the cross and having the cross at the forefront 
of what we are as a nation, that we are a people of faith in the Lord Jesus. Instead, we're putting it away and we're surrendering. We're hardening our hearts in unbelief against God and against his Son and against his Spirit who can do mighty works in our midst. But because of our hardness, we're deadening ourselves to all of that. So the hardening of our hearts surrenders ourselves to sin too. And if we allow our hearts to be hardened with unbelief, the gospel passes by and our opportunity goes with it. As the gospel passes by, as the gospel, as we even seek to take it to others, we need to be aware that there is a hardness out there and that we depend on God. We depend on him. So there are these negatives as the gospel passes by. Negatives that we can even see in our own hearts. We don't judge others first. We look to ourselves, asking the wrong questions. How? How can all this be? Instead of who it is and why? And the hardness of our hearts. But we want to see the positives of the gospel passing by as well. And the first and the greatest positive of the gospel passing by is just that. The very fact that the gospel is still passing by. The very fact that we are still under the sound and under the call of the gospel. That it's something we hear day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. The time is passing us by so quickly. But the gospel is still with us. The gospel is still here today. And even in the midst of such hard hearts and the lack of faith, what we see here is that Jesus came to his people. And that Jesus still speaks to people to this day. He came to them because he loved them. That's what we read throughout the Gospels. As you read of Jesus and he sees the crowds and he sees individuals, he sees families, he has this wonderful compassion for them. He has this concern for them. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9, he describes them as sheep without a shepherd and he has compassion on them. He has this longing for them. And his teaching even here it left many astonished. Maybe not in the right way entirely, but it still had this great impact on them. And again, you see it throughout the Gospels. As Jesus preached, people were amazed by what they were hearing and by what they were seeing. And so should we be. Because the Gospel today is still speaking powerfully into the lives of people, into the lives of individuals, into the lives of nations, the gospel is still speaking powerfully and having a, a huge impact on people's lives. Not everyone's heart is hardened. Not everyone asks the wrong questions. People respond. They come asking, why would Jesus do that for me, a sinner? And the response is, because he loves his people. Because of his great love 
for us. <coughs> there was a, an old preacher called Henry Ward Beecher, and he loved to train young men to preach. And this one time, as he was listening uh, to a young preacher, he said, You love to preach, don't you? And the young minister replied, I really do, I love to preach. But the older man, Henry Beecher, said to him, But do you love the people to whom you preach? Not just loving to preach the gospel, but loving the ones he was preaching to. And the greatest example of that is Jesus. As he goes around towns and villages, as he teaches small crowds, large crowds, he does so because of his love towards them. And that's the very reason why we still hear the gospel today. Because God loves this world. He loves his people. He has done it from the very beginning. He'll do it through all eternity. And people would say, God doesn't care. God doesn't love this world. Otherwise, why, if he loved it so much, why is there so much wickedness and evil? But you read through the gospel, you read through the whole word of God and you see a God who loves his people. A God who loves this world. You go back to the Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22 says, Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. There is a gospel invitation in that. Turn and be saved, all you ends of the earth. The Lord doesn't desire any to perish, but that all would come to salvation. And that's where we see the great love of God, this great love that sent his Son into this world. That brings us this gospel message that is passing us by. And we see it here, and we see it to this day. People are called to him. People go out with the message of the gospel because we love that people would hear the gospel and come to be saved. Come to know the Jesus of the gospel. And so the wonder is today that the gospel still goes out. And the wonder is that he uses people like you and I too for the gospel to go out. That we are to be a people who go out with the gospel. You are a light. You are the light of the world, Jesus says to a crowd that he's preaching to. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. We are to be ones who show the gospel. He doesn't hide the challenges that as we go out with the gospel, there will be hardness, there will be unbelief, there will be rejection. But we are still to go. The gospel is passing by. Time is passing by. And the gospel is passing by in so many ways as well. You know that verse, again going back to Matthew 9. As Jesus sees the crowd and has compassion, he says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest. That's not just ordained ministers to go out. That's God's people to go out with the gospel. That every one of us would play our part. 
And so may it be our prayer today that the gospel will continue to go out. That the gospel will continue to be heard as it was in towns and villages here as the gospel went out. May we pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will bring the harvest in. The gospel still goes out and that is such a positive. And the final thing that we take here, the final positive is this. The gospel can make all the difference. The gospel can and does make all the difference. As Jesus marveled at their unbelief here, he continued to teach. He sent out then the twelve and began to send them out two by two, giving them authority. And he charged them to go. And he was sending them out because he knew the world needed to hear the gospel. And so as you continue through the gospels, into the book of Acts, into Paul's missionary journeys, right throughout the New Testament, you see the gospel going out to all ends of the earth. Why? Because it is the gospel that makes all the difference. The difference that Jesus made in people's lives. You think of the previous chapter, the woman with the issue of blood, Jairus' daughter, who was dead. What a difference he made in their lives. Healed, restored. And you read through the Gospels and you see how just one or two were changed and then dozens and then hundreds and then thousands were changed through the Gospel and its power. All of these things remind us that all things are possible with him. But the question today is, do we believe? Do you believe this gospel? This gospel that can make all the difference to you and to all around us. Do you believe what it says? Do you believe in its power? There was a famous man, he was a tightrope walker. His last name was Blondin. And he lived in the 1800s. And he was famous especially for walking a tightrope across Niagara Falls. And I don't know if any of you have seen, or maybe even been to Niagara Falls, but they're a spectacular sight. And the last thing many of us would maybe want to do would be walk a tightrope across the Niagara Falls, knowing the power of what was below. This man, Blondin, on a number of different occasions, he went across a tightrope. And not just walking, he went across a tightrope dancing, he went across the tightrope blindfolded. He even went across this tightrope at one point with a wheelbarrow. And the crowd, there was thousands looking on at this man going across. They were cheering at him. And when he took a wheelbarrow full of bricks over and back this tightrope across Niagara Falls, they were cheering. They were shouting. They were screaming. They were all amazed at what he was doing. But then he turned to the crowd and he asked, who believes that I could push a person across this tightrope in the wheelbarrow. And all the hands went up 
Everybody believed that he could do it. And they were shouting and cheering at him for this. And then he asked them another question. He said, let me have a volunteer to go in the wheelbarrow to go across. And all of a sudden, all the hands went down straight away. They all believed that he could do it, but only if it was somebody else. Not themselves. They were too afraid. And maybe that's the way we are when it comes to the gospel too. If I was to ask everyone here today, do you believe in God? Hands would go up. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Hands would go up. But the greater question is, do you trust and have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? And that's where the difference comes in. That's when we become like the crowd who watched Blondin. They believed that they could take, you could take somebody else across in a wheelbarrow. But they didn't trust that he could take them. And is that how you are with Jesus? You believe in God. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But can he save you? And do you trust in him? It's a question for ourselves. It's a question for every one of us. And there's the difference between belief and faith. We can believe in all of these things. But we have faith. We have trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus here is sending his disciples out. He's teaching throughout these villages and towns. And as we think of the gospel going out today, as we think of the gospel passing us by today, we can give so many reasons not to do things. We can give so many reasons of difficulties, why we shouldn't do this, why we shouldn't do that. But do we believe this gospel ourselves? Do we believe its power? Do we believe the difference it can make in our lives and the lives of all around us? Jesus preached and taught the gospel. He sent his disciples out with the gospel. He sends his church, his people, out with the gospel. But the gospel is passing by. Time is passing by. All things pass us by so quickly. But do we believe? Do we trust this gospel? Not how, but who and why. Not looking at this uh, with hearts that are hard and unbelief. But recognising that as the gospel is quickly passing us by, this is what can make all the difference in our lives. We believe in God. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe he will come again. But do we believe with faith and trust that he can save me and save you. The gospel is passing by quickly. Time is passing by quickly. 
But the gospel is personal. And it's asking you today to put your trust and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so may he help us to do so. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you that your gospel is with us, that it speaks to our hearts, hearts that can so often be hardened and hard towards you. But we pray, Lord, that you will soften our hearts and give us not just a word that we say we believe in God, but that we will be able to say we fully trust in the one who is the Saviour of the world. So, Lord, help us, we pray, and guide us in all these things. And forgive our sins in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to conclude by singing to God's praise in Psalm 147. Uh, Sing Psalms version, page 193. Psalm 147. At verse 15, we'll sing three stanzas to verse 18. And this, uh, these verses remind us of how God sends his gospel out. And it speaks of the coldness of the ground, but how the warm winds blow. And verse 18 especially, but when he sends his mighty word and makes the warm winds blow, the frozen waters start to melt and once again to flow. And may that be the word that goes into our hearts and causes it to melt and to warm to the gospel. Verse 15 to 18, to God's praise. Spirit, rest upon and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>